about where we are as a church. So I look around uh, at the, the faces that are here, and a lot of you have been here for quite a while. You've been here, people like Pat and Deb have been here from day one, and Stephen Vestner, and, and some other people have come along and joined us, uh, and some people have come, and some people have gone, look, I just, it's not for me. The, the, for whatever reason, I don't feel like God's got me here, and they've moved on, and that's fantastic. You need to be where God has you. The, uh, in Psalms, it says that he plants us by strings of living water. Plants us by a place where we're getting fed, we're, getting, uh, we're becoming fruitful and so on. And so if this is not that place, fantastic. Find a place that is. Don't hang around here and spiritually die. I don't want to be responsible for that. If what's going on here is not giving life to you, then move on. But people are coming in and people have gradually been building into the life of the church and the numbers are sort of picking up. And we've got about, about 50. If everybody that, that calls a Rise Church home rocked up one day, we wouldn't fit in here. But we have a bit of a, a transient uh, nature. Some, of, some people said we're the yo-yo church. One week where numbers are up and next week numbers are down and then they're back up and then they're down and so on. And that's okay because we've got a lot of people in the life of the church here who have had uh, backgrounds within, within the church and so on and have uh, dipped their toes back into fellowship. And we, we felt like when we first started, that's one of the things God said to us was to get together and to pray. So we used to meet over at Rob, Rob and Wendy's place once a fortnight. And we would pray for those people. And if that's you, and you came back into fellowship in a rise, uh, maybe had a previous experience, you might have been burnt out on something, you might have been hurt, offended, whatever it might have been. And, and quite often our, our, our hurts are legitimate, all right? I'm not saying that, that they're not. A lot of our hurts are so legitimate. We, we've had our journey with church and so on, and there are some things about this animal, this beast called church, that aren't always as perfect and as great as what we wish they were. And sometimes stuff happens. But we got together and we felt to pray for those people because there's a lot of them around here and we did. And if you're one of those people that came to arise to sort of dip your toes back into fellowship and you've stuck around, um, let, me, let me say that we, we were praying for you before we even met you. We used to meet in Robin Wendy's house and we prayed for you before we even saw your face because God told us to. So you were on the heart of God before we even knew you. You were on the heart of God before we were even thinking about before you were even thinking about coming and joining us here. That's, that's amazing. You were on the heart of God. And so we've tried to follow along with what God has had for us and so on. I just want to read um, real quickly a passage out of Joshua chapter 18. I've got something really exciting that I want to share with us today, and I want to sort of lead into that. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like God wants to encourage us and say something to us as well. In Joshua chapter 18, we've got a situation here where <laughs> the children of Israel have have left Egypt. They've been set free. They've gone away from bondage and the oppression of Egypt and Pharaoh. And they've gone across the Jordan River and God has parted the waters and, 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 and wonderful things have happened. Now, how many of you know when they were on the other side of the Jordan River and Moses was leading them, the Bible says things like this, their, their clothes never wore out. Their shoes, their sandals never wore out. God would feed them by day. He would give them manna. He would give them water. He would send a cloud. He would look after them. It was almost like Moses, if I can compare him to something. Moses was like a maintenance man. God had pulled them out of bondage, but Moses was there. And as Moses led them, God was just maintaining the, the people of God. He was maintaining the Israelites. He was just looking after them, giving them enough for each day, doing all the hard work for them, as it were. What's interesting is the minute they cross over the Jordan and get into the promised land, all of a sudden they had to do work. That just doesn't doesn't sound like the way it should be. It should be the other way around, shouldn't it? I mean, we come to, to, to faith in Christ. We've got all these great and precious promises and God says that he's going to get involved in our world and all this stuff. Shouldn't that be the time where now it becomes easy and we don't need to... But it was the other way around. While they were over on the other side of the river, before they got into the promised land, they had God maintaining and doing everything for them. When they got into the promised land, all of a sudden they had to work. They were expected to do something. They were expected to put their hand to the plough and all of a sudden, guess what? The food wasn't there every morning. Go and get it. 
Water wasn't just appearing out of nowhere. Go and get it. Their clothes and stuff, they had to maintain, they had to look after. God didn't go in there and say, right, now I'm just going to go. Anyone seen Lord of the Rings? Anyone seen those Lord of the Rings movies? No? Um, I'm, not, I'm not recommending or not recommending them. I'm, I'm, I'm saying neutral. I just throw movies out because they're a good visual for people. And I know that, 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 that people, some, there'll be a certain percentage of people that have seen these things. But there's a scene in one of those movies where, where uh, I, I can't remember exactly what happens, but it's like a, uh, somebody does something like this. And uh, we've probably seen it in other films too, and that power force goes... Vroom. You know, and everyone just falls over, everyone's dead. Just this light radiates out and everything within just goes, everyone's dead. You ever seen those movies? It just happens like that, you know? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think, I mean, if I, was, if I was making a movie about the, the Old Testament and the, the children of Israel have crossed the Promised Land and they're standing there and the waters have gone and the Egyptians are dead and they're looking at the Promised Land and there's all these nations there and all these people, all these inhabitants, these giants, the Malachites and all these other kites and ites and all this stuff, wouldn't you think that it would be easy for God to go, hang on guys, watch this. <laughs> oh, and they all just fall down and then all you've got to do is just go and take their house, man, go and take their land, go and have their crops, they're all dead and there's just all these dead Malachites and people all over the place because God went boom. Wouldn't that make sense to you? It'd certainly make a better movie. God just boom. And they didn't have to do anything. But God said, no, I'm not going to do it like that. Once I've got you into the promised land, part of, part of the promised land is the blessing of working. It's the blessing of doing something. It's the blessing of putting your hand to the plow and actually having to fight a battle. You know, there's something good about fighting. Now, by the way, kids, I'm not saying go to school and pick them. But I'm saying there's something good about fighting for stuff in life. There's something good about working hard for stuff in life. And this is what God said to the children of Israel. Once you get over there, man, you guys are going to have to go out and do something. In Joshua chapter 18, we get to this situation where they've taken a bit of land, but they've gotten content and happy with what they've done. And so they've kind of settled in. They've gotten a little bit perhaps apathetic. Maybe they've stopped visionary thinking ahead or they've stopped pushing forward into all that God had for them. They were content with the little bit that they'd established, the little bit they had. And they'd forgotten that, you know what? God didn't call you over here just to have that. He's got so much more for you. And here's what happens in Joshua chapter 18. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire Israelite assembly gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. But there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their inheritance. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. And verse 3. Then Joshua asked them, How long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you. How long are you going to wait to take possession of the land that God has actually already given to you? In other words, they pitched the tent, they started a barbecue, got their deck chairs, they sat around it and they looked at all they'd achieved and went, man, we've done some great things here, people. We, remember when we grew over there in Egypt? Remember how we got out? Remember the plagues, the frogs, the boils? Remember, oh yeah, that were the good days. Remember how, how we walked out and we carried all the stuff and Pharaoh was standing on his balcony weeping and crying and sobbing like, oh, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. None of them remembered it because it was a totally different generation, but their parents had passed the stories on to them, I'm sure. Do you remember when we got to the edge of the water and the water went whoomp and there's dry land we're walking across and there's a brim and there's a catfish, there's a shark. It was Ballina, it must have happened in Ballina. And... And then we got across and then we looked behind us and here comes Pharaoh trying to... And, and then all of a sudden, boof, the water went down and we were just like, wow. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, yeah, that was amazing. It was fantastic. And then remember we got here and we, we came across and we took Jericho and we took this place and we started... Remember that? Remember, remember we marched around them city walls? Remember that? 
Remember we marched around seven times on the last one we marched around and then we all went and the wall fell down. That was awesome. Remember that? Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. While they're sitting there with their coconut juice or whatever it is they were drinking on their deck chairs and the fire's going, you know. And Joshua comes along and he goes, what are you doing? You've had a measure of success. You've achieved some fantastic things. God has done some wonderful things in our midst. But he didn't bring us through all that to just get to a place where we go, well, now I'm just happy with this. God gave you this whole land. God gave you so much more than what you have in your possession right now. When are you going to get up and when are you going to to go forward and take the rest of that which God grabbed a hold of you for? It's almost like a gentle rebuke, I guess, to these people. Now, if we go across into the book of Acts, we've got a similar situation in the book of Acts. Uh, The book of Acts mirrors the book of Joshua in so many respects, in so many ways. It's like the, uh, Joshua is like the Old Testament version of Acts, where the people uh, of Israel are in bondage. They come out of bondage. They're saved. They cross the river. They go into the promised land and they take possession. Very much like the story we have in the book of Acts, where you get these people that are in bondage to the enemy and the word of God gets preached when the Holy Spirit comes in power and people get saved and they step out of bondage and then the church begins to grow and they begin to go forward and begin to take ground. And it parallels very much. But in Acts chapter, chapter 8, go with me to Acts chapter 8 real quick. I should have worn my glasses. I know I should have. I just honestly believe God would heal me this morning. Still waiting. <laughs> Reminds me of the story of the guy that um, he, went, he went to church last week, apparently in Ballerine. He went up to uh, the pastor and he said, um, Pastor, would you pray for my hearing? So the pastor slapped hands on the side of his head and prayed and then pulled him away and said, Okay, so, um, so, so how are you feeling now? He says, Oh, I don't know. It's not until Thursday. Give it to him. Pennies are dropping. I love that. It's like you watch your pennies are dropping slowly. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Keep thinking about it. Okay. Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, Saul was one of the official witnesses of the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles fled into Judea and Samaria. It says that as they went out, that the disciples went everywhere preaching the word of God. Now, if you have a look at what happened to this point, up until this point, the gospel had not gone outside of Jerusalem. The disciples had done part of their job. What did Jesus say? He said, he said that uh, uh, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem? Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. Up until this point in church history, the gospel hasn't left Jerusalem. The disciples have not done everything that Jesus asked them to do. He said, start in Jerusalem, and then Judea, Samaria. Up until this point, they haven't gone out. Then all of a sudden, there's a major disruption to what's going on. Their comfort got shaken up. There's this guy called Stephen. And the Bible says that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Stephen was one of the guys when the church got to a certain point and they said, you know what, we need to give ourselves, the apostles said we need to give ourselves to the word of God and to prayer. But we've got this situation with the widows and we need to look after the widows. So we need to appoint some people that can help us with that practical side of what we do and and make sure that these people are looked after. And Stephen was one of those guys. So Stephen uh, is one day out there and he's, he's distributing food to the widows and making sure that people are being looked after in the community of God. 
And the next day, he's getting martyred. He preaches the word of God, he gets stoned. And when that happens, the church all of a sudden is shaken again. Here they are, similar to what they, they were in the book of Joshua. They've taken a bit of ground, but then they're content and happy. You read the accounts at the end of, say, Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, and you see, that, and the church had favour, and the numbers were growing, and priests were getting... And all this wonderful stuff's happening, and we're getting a picture of a church that's prospering, a church that's growing, a church that's thriving, but at the same time, a church that is still not doing everything it was asked to do. And so in the midst of this persecution, this ugly, horrible event... It's almost like God kicks them up the backside and for the first time they start getting outside of Jerusalem and they continue on with the plan of God. A bit like the the Israelites in Joshua's time. They were sitting there happy, content, and it took Joshua to come along and go, look, it's wonderful what's happened, this is great, but we were born for more. We were called to so much more than just to hear. There are seven tribes amongst amongst you who haven't got their land yet. There were some tribes sitting there having their barbecue going, well, it's okay because I've done my bit and I've got whatever I'm going to get out of this expedition, I've got it now. So I'm happy now. I've got... Joshua goes, it's not about that. There are seven tribes that have not got what they came here for yet. And even those of you that have got it, you've got a role to play to help these guys get what they need as well because we work together. And so God shakes them up because God has a plan. And it's a good plan. A rise church, we have been called to something more than just gathering together in a room at the back of the GSAC, in a tiny corner where nobody basically knows we exist unless one of you people sitting here tell somebody. We're called to more. When we first felt to to take on this church, we had a, a service a few months ago where we threw out our mission statement, what we feel like we're here for. We're not here just to run a great uh, religious meeting on a Sunday morning. We're here because we believe that the kingdom of God needs to be expanded. We're here because we believe that people that do not know Jesus have the right to hear about Christ in a language that they will understand. We're here because we believe that eternal destinies are at stake. We're here because we believe that God's called us to put our hand to the plough and do what we can do in this generation, in this place to make a difference for the kingdom of God. It's exciting. We could have been born anywhere, anytime. But for whatever reason, we were born now in such a time as this. We could be living in any town in the world that we want to right now, but for whatever reason, we are here right now in Ganelaba in 2016. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. It's on purpose. God has plans and God has purposes. And God's called us to more than just having a nice Sunday morning meeting. Our vision statement, for those of you that remember it, we put it up here during our breaks, is equipping people to find intimacy with God, connection with insiders and impact with outsiders. Equipping people to find intimacy with God, connection with insiders and impact with outsiders. And you know what? I feel like we're starting to get a bit of momentum. I feel like we're, as we look around, we're seeing the average numbers are sort of picking up on a Sunday. We're seeing connect groups get off the ground. We're seeing people start to connect with each other a bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing from people. I'm, I'm talking to, to different people throughout the week, and I'm, I'm hearing you say things to me that are stirring in your spirit, and I'm going, oh, you know what? God's saying that to us, actually. I feel like God's saying that. It's interesting that you're feeling that. It's interesting that you're thinking that. It's interesting that you're sensing that. 
And there's this sense in which God, I feel like you're saying, uh, similar to us at the moment, that, you know, it's wonderful where we are. It's wonderful what we've got. But I feel like God wants us to have an expectation, an expectancy in our heart that he has something more for us down the track. That he has more for us than just to be sitting here in a back room at the GSAC on a Sunday morning. You know, I went to a minister's fraternal meeting a few weeks ago, I don't know if I shared this with you, uh, up until a couple of months ago, I was obviously working full-time at Dan Murphy's plus, plus uh, church, so I didn't have time to go to ministers' fraternal meetings and meet all the other pastors and that. But I did get to one a couple of weeks ago. And when I got there, uh, it was interesting, they gave me a couple of minutes and said, oh, Alan, can you please just share with us who you, you know, a little bit about yourself and your church and so on. And they all of them said this to me, they all said to me, look, we know you've got a church in Lismore, but where are you? <laughs> where are you? And I thought, man, if the ministers, if the, the, the church leaders in the town don't know where we are, if they don't know we exist, how would anybody else know that we exist? How would anybody else know what goes on here, that people are meeting here to worship God? You know, we had a guy walk in the church a few weeks ago, uh, and he came on in, and uh, we heard later on in the week chatting to the person that, that he came with, and he made this statement. He said, when I walked into the church, he said, I just felt something. It was a bit of a kick in the face. I preached a great message. You didn't remember a word of that. But, but he said, when I walked in, he said, I just felt something. And I thought, man, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. People coming in and feeling God, sensing God, experiencing God in his life. You know, about probably 20 years ago, I was preaching in a church in Brisbane. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, while I was preaching, this, this guy just walked in up the back. This young fellow would have been about 19, 20. Anyway, he just sat down there, listened to me preach. I gave an altar call at the end. He came forward and asked him, could I pray for him? And he broke down and started weeping. He started to repent to God. He, it was genuine sobbing about these things he'd done wrong and got to pray with him and, and beautifully led him into a relationship with God. But I asked him about his story afterwards. And here's what he said. He said that I'm not a church person, wasn't brought up in the church, don't go to church. But he said that morning, he said, I woke up and I just had this thought, you need to find a church. I need to find a church to go to. So he said, I just went out and I started walking around the street and I found this church here. And so I came on in and this guy had a wonderful, fantastic encounter with God. I wonder if God was to speak to somebody in this Ganelabar area and say, same thing, you need to get up and you need to find a church. Would they find us? Would they even know that we exist? I dare say, probably not. I mean, if God told them to you know, wake up and have a workout, fantastic. Just straight above us here, there's a big gym there. You can hear the dumbbells. Every now and then, it sounds like Jurassic Park, doesn't it? Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Well, I think it does. So, I've got some exciting news. Luke, do you want to put that picture up on the screen for us? Anybody seen this building? Anybody familiar with this place? Anybody familiar with Oliver Avenue? Anyone know which road Oliver Avenue is? Yep. Let me point it to you. It's that one right there. Now, if you go down here, turn left on Oliver Avenue, if you go straight ahead, then you'll hit the sporting fields on the left. If you go straight, continue to go straight down Oliver Avenue, just near the water tower there, you'll find this building there. Now, let me tell you a story. About 15 months ago, when me and my wife took on the, the, the church here, which was 15 months, or I don't know, I'm hopeless with numbers. In May 2015, when we became pastors of this church, one of the first things we did was we drove... The first Sunday up here, we drove up, the, turned at the media centre because we lived down in Ballina. We drove up to Oliver Avenue. Instead of coming right like we normally do into here, we turned left. And we went down into there, and I can't tell you why, other than I just felt like we should. And we parked our car in a certain place. And we stood there, and I looked across the road, and here's this little building. 
And I peeked through the window and it looked empty, but it did have a boxing ring and some things hanging there. So I thought, well, obviously somebody probably uses it for a bit of, you know, inspiring boxing and so on. So I'm looking at this thing, but I thought, well, you know what, God, I don't understand all of this, but I just feel like I'm standing in the right place and we need to pray for a building. And so 15 months ago, whenever it was, May 15, we started praying. We would regularly, every second or third week, we would drive up on a Sunday and before we came into church here, we would turn left, we would go there and we would just, for whatever reason, go, God, I just feel like this is where we're supposed to be. I don't understand it. I can't work it out. Uh, we're not in a place even to do anything, I don't think. Uh, it would be a miracle, but God, this is the place. So we would do that. And then during the week, I would come on up and I would drive up all the way up here just to go to that spot. And I would park the car and just pray. So God, I don't know why. I just feel like this is the right place. Well, lo and behold, about probably six, seven months ago, I'm standing there praying and I don't know why I never did this before, but I did something I haven't done the whole time I've been there. I went like this. I turned around. And there was another building, and I was literally standing in front of that building while I'm praying at another building across the road. And I turned around, and here's this building. And it's like God saying, duh. You know? It's like you're standing in the right place, but you're looking at the wrong thing. You know? How often does that happen in our Christian experience? I'm in the right place, but I'm focused on the wrong things. There's another message. I'll write that down for another week. So I'm standing there and I'm looking over here and then I turn around and here's this building there. And I felt like God said, that's, that's, your, that's your place. Now I'm not saying I am infallible and I'm not saying that I, every time I hear from God, it's always right. But I just had this impression, this sense that I felt like God was saying that this is the place. So we kept on going by there and we kept on praying. And we pray, 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 pray week after week, week after week, week after week. And we sat on it. We just kept it to ourselves and we sat on it. After a while, we, we, we had our leadership team appointed and so we shared with, with the leadership team, look, this, this place we've been sort of just feeling, let's just pray. For another reason, let's just pray. If it's God, then, then it'll, 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 a way will open up. If it's not, well, then we'll move on. <laughs> so we prayed and prayed and prayed. Eventually, we contacted the real estate. We went in, we had a look. Uh, what you can't see in the picture there is there's another attachment on the other side of it. It's an it's a orange one. So it's quite a massive, big building. So we went for a walk through there and we had a look at it and went in with the real estate and uh, decided that it's too big. We, 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 we don't have the capacity, even within uh, exp- extending ourselves faith-wise, we just feel like it's too much for us as a church to take on board at the moment. But half of it would be really good. So we chatted with him and talked about it. And at that stage, I asked the real estate, uh, would, would this guy be interested in perhaps half, you know? And uh, we didn't get a very positive response. He wasn't overly too keen. So anyway, so we left it at that and just thought, well, God, it's at this point in time, Lord, it's beyond our capacity. So we'll just leave it at that. But I still felt like God was going, stop, but please don't leave it at that because I just feel like there's something about this building in a rise church. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I'm sitting down with Rulof, who's not here this morning, but uh, we were getting together to talk about some men's stuff. We, we organised that men's camp last year and we're starting to get a jump on it for, for next year to get another men's camp organised. So we had a committee meeting and uh, me and Rulof were the only two that turned up. Even though the others had texted me and gone, oh, I can make it, I'll be there, only the two of us showed up to the meeting. So I said to Rulof, oh, well, we obviously can't have a committee meeting. How are you going? Let's have a chat. So we started talking. And Rulof makes this statement to me. He says to me, he says... Speaking about a rise, he said, I really love our church. He said, I feel like we've got a great church there. But he said, the problem is nobody knows that we're there. 
He said, I feel like the, 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 you know, the, the people are great, the fellowship's good, the things we've got in place are good, uh, the preaching is good. I just thought I'd throw that out there in case anyone's thinking it's not. The preaching's good, uh, the, the worship's good. He said, I just feel like we've got the makings of something really, really good there and significant, but nobody knows where we are. So being the, the sort of person I am, that I thought, okay, well, here's an opportunity. I'll chuck a little bit of a seed out here and there. So I said, oh, rule if it's funny, you should say that. Let's, and I got my phone out and I said, let's have a look at this thing. I'll show you what we've been looking at. Boom, boom, boom. And as I did that day, the owner had decided, I can't get anyone to lease it as a whole thing. So I'm going to put a wall down the middle and I'm going to lease it as two separate halves. And I clicked on, I had a look at what he was asking for the price. And I, I actually refreshed my phone a couple of times thinking, no, that's, that's wrong. Because he said that he wasn't going to do that. So I'm refreshing the phone. I don't know what Ruloff thought. Ruloff's probably still thinking. I don't even know what happened. I, I got so engrossed in it. He's probably still sitting there thinking I went to the toilet. That's probably why he's not here today. He's still sitting there waiting. But I think I got so engrossed in the phone and, and what I saw that I came home and made a few inquiries and some phone calls and let the leadership team know about it and, and uh, Pastor Jim White down there in, in, uh, in Ballina, who's very supportive of where we're up to and what we're doing and uh, so on. And anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, a ball began to roll and for the last two weeks that ball's been picking up a little bit of momentum. Um, so what I want to say to you or present to you today is to have a good look at this. If you get a chance to go down the end of Oliver, turn left, go down the end and have a look. at You can't, I mean, look, you can't miss, you can't miss it. Look at the colour. It's blue. If you're coming into town from Ballina and you hit the Pineapple Road roundabout, if you look across to your left, you'll see it. You can see it from the highway. And what's interesting too is that that Pineapple Road roundabout, has anyone ever had a look at the name of the street when you, if you were to turn left there? It's Oliver Avenue. <laughs> so the council obviously are going to eventually join that road up from the, where, where this is, it goes to a dead end and it's just grassland but the road is going to eventually go through. So there's going to be access to this building from the highway very easily. Uh, it's easily identifiable from the highway. You can't miss it. You see it. Because of where it's positioned, it'll be very hard to lose that, that visual. Um, yeah, that was the original one. And so we're looking at that now and going, well, God, I, I feel like maybe you're saying now is, is the time. Now, I've chatted to a few different people in, in the life of church here, and I've had a few people in the last month in particular coming up and asking, going, look, we're kind of... You know, when everybody turns up with sort of a capacity here, what are we doing about finding another place? We've had different ideas thrown at us and so on. Uh, and one of the reasons why I haven't jumped on a lot of those other ideas has been because this has been sitting there, just sort of percolating away. Um, where we're up to at the moment is the national body, the Operations Board of INC, have asked us to put in a proposal, submit to them. The way this denomination works is, uh, and I think it's a great way, is that they oversee a lot of things like building acquisitions and, and properties and things like that. The reason they do it is because they don't want to see a church like ourselves, for example, extend our faith beyond reality and say, yeah, we're going to dive into a $2 million building program when we've got uh, 50 people and, and uh, end up going pear-shaped and all sorts of things happen. So they have really good structures in place. We've worked with other churches, as you know. We were assistant pastors in another denomination for seven years. I really like the way they do it. So there's a process that, go, that we go through where we submit some information to them and we, we get a preliminary DA done and things like that. So I just this morning want to let you guys know that this is where we're up to with that process. I feel like, I feel like there's so much more that God wants to do uh, in us and through us. Now, why do I feel like it's important to have a place? I'm going to just throw a couple of reasons at you as to what I think the benefits are if we could have a building. Number one, it will definitely extend the life expectancy of Luke Brooks. Okay? Now, you might be laughing at that. You might be laughing at that. But 
when you get into church next week, I want you to have a look at that guy. And I want you to have a look at the sweat pouring off his brow. And I want you to have a look at, at, at what he has done to, to, to make this dehydrated... You know, you know those ration packs when you go away in the army and stuff and they just add water in the food. You ever seen those? Dehyd- what are you calling? MRE. MRE, yeah, exactly. Meal ready to eat, and you just add the water and boom, up it comes. Well, well I'm, I'm sure you know this, but how many of you know that that doesn't happen in churches? Luke doesn't walk in in the morning with an eyedropper, pop some water, and bang, up it comes. He is running from pillar to post all morning, and when it's finished, he's running from pillar to post helping pack up and, 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 and pack down as well. And so, a very real, and I mean this with all sincerity, I want to extend that young man's life expectancy, because I think God has so much more for him than just burning himself out, setting up and pulling down, setting up and pulling down. So one of the big reasons why it's important that we get into a space is to extend the life expectancy of Luke Brooks. I want that to be noted as point number one. Exactly. He's a great man. He's a great man. He does a fantastic job. Does a fantastic job. So do, so do the others who put their hand up as well, by the way, and, and help with set up crews and that. But uh, Luke's the one consistent every week, every week. We love what you do, Luke, and we don't take it for granted, mate. Um, secondly, it communicates commitment to the community. It communicates to the community that we're not just a pop-up church, you know, going from here to there to here to there. You know, for, for a long time, we have uh, had you know, the opportunities have been presented to us. We could go down to South Lismore and we could get a property down there and we could get a building down there and have church in South Lismore. But I feel like God's called us to Ganelaba. So why do we want to pitch a tent down in South Lismore? We've had opportunities down the hill, even as recent as this week. I, I have people all around the place contacting me, going, look, there's this place, there's that place. And you know what? The truth of the matter is this. We could move down south with more and we could pay half and get twice the size if we want to. But there's no point being down there, paying half and having a bigger place if that's not where God wants us to be. God has put us here in Ganelabar for a purpose and God's put us here for a reason. In 2013, the Crindle Research Group did a, a, a survey on, on communities and churches and individuals and what they think of them. And this is people outside the church. 88% of people believe that having a church in their community is a positive thing for that community. 88% of people, non-churchgoers, believe that having a church in their community is a positive thing for the community. And I believe that God wants us to be up here in Ginellabar, so we need to be here. Communicate something to them that we're here, we're committed to the place, we're putting stumps in the ground, we're not disappearing anytime soon, we're not going to do a runner on you, we're in this place. This community is now our community. And that's what it communicates to them. It's important that we do that. Third thing is, of course, we've got things that we want to do. We've got women's courses. Uh, a few of you in this room here did the, what was it, woman to woman? Break free. We did break free early this year. Fantastic course, a lot of great stuff. You know, we've got more courses that we want to run. But of course, there's always that logistical issue of where do we run it? And, and when you're in somebody's house, you want to be very respectful. And we know that people work and have lives and we don't want, you know, to, to overstay welcome and all that stuff. So, so, so that's a difficult practical reality of running things in the life of a church is where do you hold all these things? Especially too, we look at the life of our church. We have people that travel from Byron Bay out that way uh, as far out here as Casino. We've got quite a large area of people that call a rise home. So we want to have that central location. We've got some men's stuff, some fantastic men's courses that we want to kick off next year and get running in the life of the church. Um, as well as that, we have things that we want to do in the community. We've got people that have ideas. How can we reach and impact our community? You know, I've thrown out to, uh, she's not here today, to Ash. But um, I've thrown out the idea to Ash and we've just discussed about this. If we had a place, she would love to come on up. She's a, a Pilates instructor and she has a, a, a business down there in Byron Bay. She said she'd love to come on up here and run a Pilates class. There's a lot of, 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 of there's a high, high number of, um, of uh, single mothers 
We've got the stats for the Ganelba area, and there's a, there's a high percentage of single mothers up here. And so on. So wouldn't it be great to be able to say, just maybe a gold coin donation, Ash is going to come and give them some Pilates time. And any of you ladies that are free that day, come along. Guess what? What a great opportunity to get to meet these people, to have conversation, to talk to them, to love on some of these ladies. And wouldn't it be great if we had some people that would go, while you do your Pilates, we're going to take the kids over here, and we're just going to play with the kids and do something, we'll give them all a nice coffee afterwards. And let's just love on these ladies. Let's just give something back to these people. Let's show them that we're not just here to take you into our... But we want to give something back to our community. We want to, and that's just one of many ideas and things that I'm sure God wants to do. Uh, but again, we can't do it here. We can't do it here. You know, we have access to this place for four hours on a Sunday morning, that's all. Four hours on a Sunday morning. If we want access for it anymore, we've got to pay more money. Okay? So we need a place. Prayer meetings. You know, when the church first started, once a fortnight, we would get together and we would pray. And, 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 and 15, you know, 15, whatever months on, some of my greatest memories of my involvement here with this church were those prayer meetings. I loved it. When we got together, I love it when the people of God get together and we pray. I, I have a an unwavering confidence that when we pray, God listens to us. When we, when we ask God for things in accordance to his will, he is sitting on the edge of his seat, giving orders, barking orders, jumping, making things happen. And when we prayed for those people and, and, and on a Sunday he'd come to church and somebody would come on into church and start a conversation with him. And they'd go, yeah, I, I used to go to church, haven't been to church for 20 years. This happened to me or that happened to me and now I'm just sort of coming. And I would sit there and, and they would never know it, but in my heart I'm just leaping going, thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what we were asking. And you're doing it, and we're seeing it happen. So we want to get prayer meetings happening again. Uh, worship, too. I'd, I'd love to, you know, maybe once every three months, Christy, get up there, and let's just have a worship night. And if you want to come, come along. If you don't, don't. But we're not. All we're going to do is worship. All we're going to do is worship. We're just going to give thanks to God and forget all the other stuff. We're not coming to God with a shopping list, an agenda. We just want to give you our worship and give you our praise and, and see what happens. You know, uh, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And I really believe there's power in worship, as we lift up the name of Jesus, he draws people to himself. So we want to do that as well. Finally, but certainly not the least, youth. I don't know if you saw the pictures up there with the young people, but um, the young people are meeting, their first meeting was on, on what apparently is the most unsafe beach in the world. <laughs> Main Beach, Ballina. It's been officially noted as the most unsafe beach in the world because of the shark attacks. Okay. Now, they didn't go in the water. We saw that because of the fin and roof with the bat. But um, the point remains, we've got this young group of young people coming. Can I, 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 I want to share a bit of my heart just real briefly, if I can. It has nothing to do with my message. When I think about the young people, and I've got a vested interest in this because I've got a few of them here. But I, I mean, I could see, I'm, I, I can, there's other young kids here. And you might just be here for today and then you might, might go on to somewhere else. That's completely fine. If that's uh, God's plan, praise God. Uh, but Ash comes along with, with her little kid. And we get, we get people come along, and, and Steve and Teresa, and they've got their son, Josh, and so on. And I look around at the next generation of kids. You know? I'm a big believer in this. I believe in my personal world. I'm fighting battles that the previous generation didn't win for me. I'm dealing with things in my life as a human being, as an individual, as a person. I'm fighting battles that I believe my father should have won. My mother should have won. But they didn't. So those battles were passed on to me. And I'm dealing with things that weren't mine to deal with. So I've got my stuff to deal with plus this other stuff as well. And I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer that what we do is not just about us and where we are now, but it's about the next generation too. It's about fighting battles so that when they get there, they don't have to fight those battles because they're going to have their own battles to fight. You know, they're going to have their own battles to fight. 
let me just hypothetically say this. Who's to say that in 10 years' time, the council won't say no more places of worship here? You can't do anything. Who's to say laws won't change like that? We've got an opportunity now, an opening now, to get into something and establish something. Who's to say that, that laws won't change and, and things can't happen and, and, and opportunity can't be taken away from the next generation, but the opportunity is given to us now? And it may take a bit of sacrifice on our part. It may take a bit of blood, sweat and tears. It may take a bit of commitment. It may take a level of, of, of investment. I'm not just talking finances, that's a part of it, but time and energy and, and, and so on. It may take a level of that. But I would rather be doing that if that's what God has for us so that these guys when they move on and take over the church, whatever it is, the next generation, they can focus on what God's called them to do. Not be picking up pieces because we didn't do what we were capable of doing or what we could have done. You know, I look at youth groups and I, 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 again, I have a vested interest in this, but I look at young kids growing up in the church and I go, man, one day you're going to want a wife. One day you're going to want a husband. Where are the wives and the husbands? Where's the next generation? Where are they? Because you know what? Young guys are going to want to marry. Young girls are going to want to marry. If I can't find a husband, a wife, somebody that loves Christ in the church, where else have I got to go? I'm going to look somewhere. And it's a shame. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Please don't hear me. I'm not judging. But I'm saying how much better to be connected with somebody that loves Jesus, that's worshipping Jesus, that, 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 that you met. You know? What a beautiful thing. So I'm, I couldn't be any more excited about what we have here with Daniel and Ruth and the young people. We've waited and waited and waited. We've known our passion for youth and what we want to see happen, but it's been God's timing and God... We, we pray, I told you guys, we approached these guys and said, look, we, we just feel like we want to ask you, submit something to you, would you pray? And their response was literally this, yeah, we'll pray, yes, we'll do it. They already knew. God had already laid something on their heart. And I cannot, I, I cannot encourage us as a church community enough to pray for these guys. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. And pray for these young kids too. Because you know what? Even with you young guys, let me tell you something. Pioneering a youth group is difficult. It can be so easy to just go and run off and go, no, there's only four people here. I'm going to go off just like the schools. I'm going to go off somewhere else. But hang around, stick around. Ask God to show you what does you want to do here with the youth. Again, I'm not saying don't go to other youth groups. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, that there's something about a pioneering spirit. It's great to be there at the beginning and then to look back down the track and go, I was there. I remember day one. You know, I remember youth with a mission. When we first joined uh, up in Brisbane there, back in 1991 when I joined YWAM, and we were running uh, uh, one training school, two training schools, I think, a year with about 15 uh, students. We had a property on the south side of Brisbane, uh, way, way out of the town, and I didn't have a car or nothing, so I couldn't drive into the city or you know, nothing, and so it was just this farmland. And, and, and now I go up there to Youth of the Mission, and I still speak on some of their training schools, and I go to the base we've got. We've got prime real estate in Mitchelton, massive big community there. We've got a recording studio. We've got dance schools. We've got media schools that we're running, all for the glory of God. These people are getting high-quality training, but how do I use that training to increase the kingdom of God and how do I use that training in media and arts and dance how do I use that to get into that realm of society and bring the good news of Jesus Christ into that and I go up there now and they're running schools I think they've got a school just started with 49 students on it and they've just got 
kids going through their training schools, being sent all over the world, pioneering bases uh, at the moment in, in Indonesia, in India. They're about to kick off a base in France. I know everybody's saying, don't go to France because of all the terrorism. Now, mate, they're sending 18, 19, 20-year-old kids going, God's called me to go over there to Paris, France, and they're setting up YWAM bases and they're getting right in amongst it and so on. And I remember the early days, and you know, it's so wonderful to look back and go, I was there right at the start. I remember, I remember standing in, in that property. I began a prayer group at 19 years of age. I'd just gotten saved, joined YWAM, and, I, and we owed $270,000 on a property. And I remember starting a prayer group and saying to all the older people there, I mean, I'd only just been saved. I knew nothing. But I read in the, in, the, in the Bible that, you know, if you pray and ask God stuff, he answers you and he does things. So, oh, it must be true. It's in the book. So I remember getting the leaders together and going, here, I'm going to, uh, 19 years of age and these guys are all the big wig leaders, but I'm going to start a prayer meeting. You can join me if you want. And if you don't want to, that's fine, but I'm going to be praying in that room over there. <laughs> and we will pray. For this money, you know? and I remember too, God, God would open up doors on the base, and somebody would contact the base and go, "Look, I'm a Christian businessman. I need someone for two weeks to lay turf in a, a place or to to put synthetic flooring down, and so on." Because I led the prayer meeting, as soon as that came in, I said, "Right, I'll stop whatever I'm doing here. I'll go and do it." And I just gave all the money. And I'm not again. It's not about money, but I'm just saying it was a commitment. I, I prayed, I believed, and to look back and to see where they are now and what they're doing, I think fantastic. And I can't wait. I can't wait till five, ten years down the track to look back. And to go, do you guys remember when we used to meet in that little room at the back of the GSAC? Do you guys remember that morning when we were halfway through worship and the power went off? You remember that? It's not the first time, by the way. <laughs> remember the acoustic set I did one morning, just me and my guitar? Um, happy, ta- happy times, happy days, happy days. So the youth, I want to fight for things and I want to claim things now so that they don't have to worry about that sort of stuff in the future. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God is doing at the moment in the life of our church. I'm excited about the people that have come along. Uh, I'm excited about the future, what God wants to do. And what I'm asking for you this morning is simply this. Would you please pray with us? Uh, over the next week, two weeks, we, we have preliminary DA reports and it's looking positive and the operations board is saying to us, it, it feels good, get submissions in. So we've got a few things we need to do. But I want to ask each of you would, you, would you pray with us? Would you pray together? It's not about the building. I don't care about bricks and mortar, if I'm brutally honest with you. What I care about is what it communicates to the community. What I care about is the opportunity it gives us to do, the extra things that we get access to. And what I also care about is I don't want to see these young kids every Friday night having to meet on a beach or meet in a park. Man, they deserve a place to call their own. They deserve a place where they can say to their mates and their friends, my youth meets there and I want to go there and let's come along. I, I want to see that. So is that something worth praying for? Is that something worth buying into? Is that something worth getting excited about? I'm talking to people here and I'm getting all kinds of visual, visual feedback from people, but I know your hearts and I'm sure that you're all in favour of that. So can we just stand to our feet for a second as we finish this morning? I just want to pray. just want to pray for us. For those of you that are visiting... Thank you for coming along this morning. It hasn't been our usual normal church service, in case you haven't noticed. We're not always talking vision and, 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 and what we're doing and so on. But uh, you're also at the same time, you're here on a pretty exciting day. Because even if you don't journey with us for the rest of time, uh, one day when you drive down Oliver Avenue and you see that building there or you see where Arise Church ends up in 10 years' time, you can go, okay, I might not be there, but I was there the day they started talking about getting out of the GSAC and getting out there somewhere and, and letting the community know that they exist. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, once again that we do live in such a wonderful time. God, we live in a, a, a day and an age where we can worship you openly and freely. God, we live in a day and an age where we can pray openly and freely. God, we live in a day and age where we can talk about Jesus 
where we can carry a Bible in our house, we can have a Bible in our possession, we can put one in a car. Father, we can even go and sit in the middle of the main street, open a Bible, grab a coffee at a coffee shop and read. And there's nothing stopping us from doing that, God. We have such great freedoms and such great liberties in this country and we thank you for that right now. And Lord, we just want to pray for this next step, God, going forward. Uh, Father, first of all, God, we pray. Uh, Lord, would you open the doors that need to be opened, God? Father, if this is you, we have full confidence of faith that the gates of hell will not prevail, God, that nothing will stop this from coming to pass. Give us wisdom as we take the steps forward. God, I pray for each of us here today, Lord, as we go from this place. God, would you speak into each of our spirits, God? Give us a sense of excitement, Lord, that this is not just something that a movement is doing or, or a denomination, but, Father, the church is us. It's me, it's you, it's people, God. We are a rise church, not just a conglomerate group, but each of us individually who have put our hand to the plough, who call this place home. This is our church, Father. So, Lord, help us get excited. Help us to see, God, not just the natural, but open our eyes to see in the spirit, God, what it is that you're doing, God, because you are leading us to a new place, Father. God, we know there'll be new battles. Give us strength to face them and give us skills and tools to overcome anything we need to overcome along the way. And most of all, God, keep our eyes on you. It's not about bricks and mortar. It's not about a building. God, help us to keep our focus on you, on, on God, what you're saying to us and what you are doing. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless. As I said, God's not a normal, usual service, but uh, if you want a more normal, usual service, rock up next. By the way, what is a normal, usual service? Anyway, I've got no idea. But anyway, all I know is that one was not closer. That was, that was further away from the normal, usual than closer to the normal, usual. So uh, hopefully we'll see you again. If not, have a fantastic week. Be blessed. Have a safe week. Have a safe trip home. And uh, we'll catch you in connect groups or meetings or coffees or church next Sunday.